welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I'm Mr. Pierre, and I'm joined by Principal Thomas. It's so great to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. Really looking forward to this conversation. We had some technical difficulties last time, but I think we'll get it right this time. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First and foremost, um, I first saw you on TikTok. You did a TikTok having to do with you to do either help teachers out or go observe. And what got me was the parkour. The audio about parkour was fantastic. And I said, <laughs> I really want to talk to this educator. <laughs> so if we yeah. can start there, how long have you been in education? I have been in education 39 years. I kind of lost track, but it's been that long. Um, doing different things, serving in different capacities, but serving, oh, I'm sorry, so, so, doing different things, uh, but 39 years long, and that's been my only job ever. Excellent, excellent. What With what the same district as well. What drew you to education? I went to um, North Texas State my first year, you know, and I have a bachelor's in professional writing. <laughs> Go figure, not in education. Then, you know, went back and started working for the district um, as a secretary. And the person that I was working for, my director, was uh, saying that this is not the job for you. You need to do something else. This is not a career. Being a secretary is not a career. So went back to Texas Southern University to get my teaching credentials. And that's where it started. She put me in a spot to teach. And it just went on from there. Took off from there. That's what's up. So if I'm hearing correctly, it was someone else who saw something in you and was like, hey, go for it. Exactly, exactly. I, I really uh, started out when I got my degree in professional writing. My dream job, <laughs> honestly, was to be a news broadcaster. I wanted to be on the news doing the news. And that just didn't pan out. It just didn't happen. And went to, like I said, went to the district, started working temporary and told the lady that I was coming back after my little temp position was over. And she kept me on and she said, you need to go and teach. And then once that started, I started with a first grade class, which is a hard grade. It's a hard grade because here in Texas, you don't have to go to pre-K. You don't have to go to kindergarten. So you have children coming in in first grade with a blank slate. So, you know, that's a hard grade, you know, and started there and looked at it and was like, you know, I kind of like this. I kind of enjoyed watching the kids come with nothing, no knowledge of anything. And then at the end of the year, seeing that growth and them, you know, knowing how to read, knowing how to write, knowing what math really means. So I enjoyed it and just kept going from there. That That's an interesting, <laughs> that, that's interesting because I teach middle school. And so the kiddos have a lot of that foundation, but you're dealing with fresh slates. You're dealing with brand new kiddos who, when you say, ma'am, or you say, kiddos, let's line up on the first time. They're looking at you like, line up. <laughs> what does that mean, line up? We don't know line up. We don't know how to go through the cafeteria line. We don't even know. We don't even know you. <laughs> 
Like, who are you? And then I have to take you and leave you with someone else because they're teaching science, library, music, the ancillary classes. And they're like, but you said you were my teacher. Why are you leaving me with this other person? So it's, yeah, it's teaching them every single thing, you know, and it's, it's a hard job. It's a hard job. You know, a lot of people think, oh, pre-K is great. It's cute. And they're in there. I'm like, but you're talking all day. I mean, from the time they walk in until the time they leave, until they get used to those routines and systems, you're teaching them everything. Everything. Woo. Yeah, to elementary teachers, your flowers are well-deserved because <laughs> you do it all. And so as a middle school teacher, thank you very much for all the foundation that you lay down so that by the time the kiddos, the kiddos get to me, we're chopping it <laughs> up a lot quicker. Yeah. So what's kept you in this work? Because a lot of folks I, are choosing to leave for whatever reasons. But yeah. what's kept you? It's a hard gig. It's a very hard gig. But I think the thing that has kept me the most it's because it's not about me. You know, it's about the kids. You know, they come in and they need structure, especially the children who are at my school. We're a Title I school. So that means that you have to qualify per income, you know, to be in the school. So they need the structure. They need the, the love. They need someone who is going to actually show them that, you know, you can do this. Like, even if it is just you learning a letter, learning how to write your name, they need someone to start them out and saying, you can do this. It's not hard. You can do it. You can do hard things. That's what I tell the children. You can do hard things. So somebody to be there to give them the support that they probably don't have at home. You know, a lot of times my kids come and this is the one place, school, that they can feel like, you know, these people really care about me. They love me. They want to hear all my stories. They want to hear what's going on in my life. <laughs> Even though it's a three and four year old life, it's a life nonetheless. But they want, they care about me, you know, and that's the part that's kept me going. You know, it's the kids. And then having them go and, I mean, I have kids now who, when I started, they're adults now and the kids have kids. So they see me as grownups and they're like, oh, Miss Thomas, I remember when you taught me at first grade. I'm like, oh my gosh. And you have kids now that are three or four years old. So that part, you know, looking and then when they're, they're grownups and living their own lives and doing what they do, thinking that was somebody that was in my class at four years old, insane. <sighs> That must be so fulfilling because a lot of the kiddos that I have, um, I'm only now beginning to see them, you know, graduate from college. I think there's only been one or two kiddos who are now have had kids of their own. But to know you had a kiddo, at, like you said, four years old, who now has their own kiddos at the school that you're at or the community that you're in, that must be wowzers. And they still recognize me. I mean, I've been in the mall and I'll hear Miss Thomas. And I'm like, okay, I know it's somebody from school because nobody else says Miss Thomas. And I turn around, you remember me? I was, at this, I was in your class when you taught at Gregory Leakin. I'm like, oh my gosh. And you know, and it's a funny thing. I remember them all. And I can't even count the number of kids that I've taught. But when they say the names, I'm like, okay, give me a minute. Give me a minute. I remember them all. I'm like, oh, you were that one that gave me a hard time. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. If you, Now that you said you have 39 years in, if you could think back to your younger self, 
and we we recognize if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Mm-hmm. If you could go back and tell your younger self one or two things, what would be the one or two things that you would tell your younger self? Ooh, younger. I was back then, Nelson, Miss Nelson. Okay, was a hothead who thought that she knew everything. You couldn't tell her anything because she knew it all. You know, either I read it in a book and, you know, I I know that. So what are you trying to tell me? But as a younger, me looking back, trying to tell younger Miss Nelson some stuff, I would say, close your mouth a little bit. Yes, you are smart. You are very smart. But learn how to listen to people, especially people who have been through things already, people who have experiences beyond where you are, learn how to listen and listen with intent to pick up the nuggets that people drop you. You know, I think about it like people gave me cheat sheets all the time. The cheat sheet, take the cheat sheet. You don't have to bump your head. They're going to tell you, do it like this. You know, and you can take the advice, tweak it a little bit, but listen and listen with intent to be able, if not to use it right now in your young age, use it when you grow up and become an adult and go, I remember when she told me that. Listen with intent. Listen with intent. Awesome. Okay. I I would have to agree that similar to yourself, my younger self was a bit hard-headed in terms of I know I can do this. I know I can do that. And it's like, but if you don't have to, you don't need to. <laughs> Somebody's going to tell you, do it like this. It probably will work out a whole lot better for you. Why not take the cheat sheet? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And when you have newer teachers who are coming into your school now that you are a principal, what... What is it that you try to do for them or explain to them or model for them? So, because we know that first year is just baptism by fire. No matter how great of a teacher you are, the first year that you're teaching is just like yowzers. I, 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 I had the theory, but the theory and the practice are two different things. Mm-hmm. Things that you look to do, as you just mentioned before we started this podcast, that you had observations. What is that you're looking to sort of impart to those newer, newer teachers? I, just like I just said, the cheat sheets. I'm going to give you the cheat sheets. You know, we've switched to a new model for appraisals this year. We're on T-test, which is totally different than what we were doing. And it's, it's new for all of my teachers. You know, even I have experienced teachers who were fours, who are highly effective teachers on T-test. Now they're like, okay, I'm proficient. Wait a minute. You know, that's a shocker. So listening for the cheat sheets. And watching, I'm going to get in there and model for you. I have no problem. I'm like, hey, if you don't understand it, we can talk about it all day. But until you see it in action with your kids, then you can't picture it. You can't picture how it's going to work. So being able to get in there and model for them and say, now think about what you did or what you said. And let's match it up with what T-Test and what I'm looking for so that you can be the accomplished teacher or the distinguished teacher. Because you're not a bad teacher, not at all. But according to the rubric, we got to follow what they want. You know, we got to follow what's going to be best for kids. So let's, you know, look at the gaps 
and use that information to improve. So getting, I think having teachers have an example, you know, if it's not me going to a, a, a peer, that's another teacher that's doing something well and say, hey, let me come in your classroom and see how you do it. That, that is key for new teachers. My my new teachers, it's it's hard for them. You know, any new teacher is hard because you don't know A from a bullfrog. Because <laughs> you're thinking about everything that you learned in school, which is the perfect world where everybody's sitting in their desk. They all raise their hands. They smile. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, you're in the middle of a lesson and somebody flips out. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? So having them have so many things in their toolkit of cheat sheets is is key. Having seen someone else do it, like, oh, I remember when I saw Miss down the hallway, she had that same experience. I can glean from that and use it for what I need. So, yeah. Yeah. You're not lying. All the theories, all the the ideal situations, um, they're just that. They're ideal. But the reality is that mm -mm, all of our kiddos are coming in with their own experiences. And like you mentioned, you could be in the middle of whatever. And then for whatever reason, unbeknownst to you, something happens or something said or a kiddo, whatever. And it's like, all right, what do I do in this situation? What do I do? Yeah. And this is a different group of kind of kids, you know, um, because we don't that? have the threes and the fours at my school. They started out in the pandemic at home. Mm -hmm. So they've been at home for two years and now they're four. And this is like their first experience being out. So they've not had anybody to tell them no. They've not had any structure, all of that. So it's like, it's a different kind of kid. So you have to do it a different kind of way. The book stuff is not going to work. It's just not. It's, it really isn't. What do you say to those, um, or what do you model for those teachers who, yeah, their first year may have been during the pandemic years, and now that they're in person, like, what, what do you do for those sorts of teachers and those sorts of kiddos? We, we have to go through systems and routines. You have to teach them just like even if it was a three-year-old or a 15-year-old, you have to have structures and systems and routines for teachers to follow, for kids to follow. What's the expectation? I mean, literally, we sat down and said, okay, when they come in, we'll do this. When they sit down, we'll do this. When I'm, What am I supposed to be doing when they're eating breakfast? What are the kids doing? When this one doesn't want breakfast, what is he going to do? So mapping out every single thing and doing it consistently that are if you do it consistently a lot of my teachers they they start something and then one weekend that didn't work i said well hold on you did it one week i said you got to think about it when you do when you do a diet when you start a diet if you diet for one week have you lost the weight that you want no well guess what when you show a child a system or a routine and you start it for one week, do you think they're going to get it? Let's say no. <laughs> and let's do it at least a month. Give it a month. Maybe there might be some things that we need to tweak and fix, but give it more than a week. You know, you got to be consistent with it. That That's what children need. That's what teachers need. Consistency, following the routine that you set over and over so that it's, it's a habit.
That's what's up. So anyone who's listened to this in the community who just heard what Principal Thomas just said, give it some time. <laughs> it's not going to happen in a week. It's rare that it'll happen in two weeks. By that third or fourth week, then things will start to click of like, oh, okay, this is what the routine is. But if you have that consistency, that's what's going to help with that. Exactly. So knowing also, too, as I think about what you've been saying in regards to um, being, you know, you were Nelson and now you're Thomas, you were a teacher and now you're a principal. What are certain things that you did that now that you're the principal, you're like, ooh, if I had known this ahead of time, my transition to principal would have been a bit smoother. I think a lot, uh, especially for people who are thinking about transitioning from the classroom to a leadership position, finding someone who you can follow and shadow, someone who knows what they're doing and who's successful at it, a mentor that you can follow and see what is it like being a leader of a school? What is it like running PLCs? You know, doing all those types of things. Because even when I was in the classroom, I took on leadership positions. I wanted to know everything about the school that I could because I found this year uh, there were some things that one person only knew. And then that one person now is gone. So it's like, uh oh. So if you have at least three or four people who know how to do something, you can move right on into that. So I would say for anybody who is thinking about moving into leadership, start doing some leadership things on your campus. How do I run the PLC? Mm, let me find out about how do we, how does she go about ordering stuff? Like there's a budget, What? <laughs> you know, learn about everything. How do you get a, a master schedule? Who makes that? And how does that work? You know, Dismissal. How do you how do you figure out the timing of it? And just ask. Ask is a lot of time. A lot of time people sit back and they when I say things at school about budget or say something about okay we got to flip this because this is not quite working. They're like, oh really? That that you have to you don't just go get money and just spend. No, no. <laughs> you ask like how does that work? Principles. Most principles that I know are so willing and looking for people who want to know because as a principal, they ask you once you've been in your position for a little bit because they're looking for you to move on to improve another school, not just stay at the school where you are and improve it and keep, you know, we're going to keep improving at this school. No, we got to move you somewhere else to improve the next school. So they ask us, who is your next? Who is your next? So if you have someone on your campus, you know, saying, asking you, how do you do that? How do you know that? What do you Teachers, if you're out there, ask. Principals are willing to share because you got to know who's next. And what a perfect idea. If I'm at a school and I'm the principal, the next person is at the school already there, knowing the system's routines. Now, mind you, you have to make it your own. You do. But you already know how to do it because you shadowed me. You walked with me. How easy a transition is that? Principal Thomas, I can already hear the community screaming back if they're listening to this. Like, Mr. Pierre, she sounds amazing. And, I, and to anyone who's listening, you are correct. She is amazing. However, <laughs> Thank you. However, that does not sound like the school that I'm at. 
mm-hmm. that sound because we i would love to say that all principles are like you who are like look i'm not trying to gatekeep i'm not trying to keep this to myself i actually want to know who the next is and i'm i'm mentoring that next principal so that when i choose to go elsewhere or when that time comes to go help another school that i know that this school is okay not everyone is like that so if you're mm-hmm. in those situations where your admin or your leaders are not so forthcoming with the information like what can be what do you see what advice would you give to those teachers like hey i'm not in the most ideal situation how can i still look to to thrive reach out to people do you know how many people i have met just on tiktok from all of my corniness and craziness on tiktok who have reached out to me and said hey you know i'm in the classroom and i'm thinking about transitioning i'm like sure let's talk let's talk dm me I'll give you my number and we can talk. So many people reach out to people. If you don't have that on your campus, I guarantee you that there is someone out there, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, your next campus. If you're at an elementary, what about the the campus that you feed into, the middle school that you feed into? Go visit that school. Visit other campuses. There's somebody, somebody there that will take you under their wing and mentor you. Find me on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) So to anyone who's listening, reach out, reach out, reach out. We'll say it again, reach out. There are different ways. If it's not literally physically there for you, you have these different options. You have this podcast, you have the TikTok, you have the YouTube, you have IG. Reach out to folks. Excellent, excellent. Love to hear it. Um, Definitely. Now, knowing that it's not always, we know that there's enough negative in the world. If I were to ask you, what is bringing you joy at the moment though? Yeah, the smile. <laughs> the one th- there are two things that have just really, really brought me joy. This one, the first one is personal. And um, my son, who, you know, if you watch me on TikTok, y'all have seen, I call him my favorite son. He's really my only son. (laughs) He is my favorite. So he, when he graduated from high school, he said he did not want to go to college. Nothing wrong with that. I can appreciate you telling me that you don't want to go to college because that's money. That's money. So, you know, it was like, okay, well, let's figure out what you want to do. So it took him a while, you know, to figure out. He did a few things, worked at a little store, you know, this network at Amazon. You know, let's figure it out. Finally, he decided I'm going to go and get my CDL, get my license so that I can drive. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. So being there and watching him go through that process of trying to figure it out as a teenager, young man, adult, you know, figuring it out. And then finally, finally now getting a job that he is doing and successful at doing it. That part, driving the truck, you know, that's the proud mama moment. <laughs> excellent, excellent, that's fantastic. Yeah. Professionally, you know, every year because my campus is only three and four year olds, so they come in not knowing anything, and watching them walk in the door screaming and crying, not wanting to leave their moms and, you know, coming into a school that they've never seen before. And now here we are, it's almost March and 
literally those children can do calendar by themselves. They can do morning message by themselves. They are reading. They understand math concepts. And I'm like, look at this. Look at these kiddos, these same kiddos that walked in. And when it's time to go home in the afternoon, they cry because they don't want to go home. <laughs> Those are the things that really make me smile. They really do. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Being an educator, I can assume that you are a lover of the written word. You love books. Is there a book that you've read that you would recommend? Either that you're reading or that you've read? I'm getting ready to start Ratchet Demic. And what it is, it's a book for educators to help them mesh the world of academics and the world of ratchetness <laughs> and being able to help kids know that it's okay that you are from the hood, you know, being who you are, embrace that but also being able to embrace your smartness, your academics. So learning how educators can learn how to mold the child to be able to mesh the two and for kids to be able to understand that it's okay. You're that, you are that because I'm that, you're both. But, and then learning how, and I hate, I I won't say I hate the word, but code switching, they gotta know how to do that. You have to know when it's time for you to be laid back, when it's time for you to be academic. So letting educators and know how to push that child into that realm of knowing when to and how to, you know, because that's difficult, especially, you know, here in Houston, we have all different kinds of schools. We have schools who have and schools who might not have as much if you know what I mean. So the children who come from the neighborhoods of who might not have as much, they get the opportunity to go to the schools that have. So letting them be able to know how do I fit into this? How can I be me, but still be the me that I have to be over here with my academics, but still have my me from my neighborhood? That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm thinking about like what you mentioned in regards to the code switching. Like the reason why, at least when I hear the word code switching, is like, hey, I'm going to change the manner in which I speak, the manner in which I communicate, so we can conform to dot 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 whatever your context is or whatnot. Exactly. And so when I hear that, like what comes to my mind is like, I get it. However, I don't want kiddos to lose themselves. And what I'm hearing you say is like, hey, you just need to understand and recognize the context of where you're at. Don't lose you. Yes. Recognize like if you go in and be X, if you present X, Y, or Z, this might be the outcome. And sort of being able to recognize how to be in those different situations if you've never been in that situation. Because if you've never, if you've never been a certain place and then you walk up into that place for the first time, there might be some things that you're just unaware of. And so. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I, you know, I think about, you know, growing up, I grew up in the hood. I am from the hood and I tell my parents, I'm just like you. I just have education behind me. 
I'm no different than you. I just have education behind me. You know, I grew up on MLK Boulevard and everybody knows that when you're on the freeway and you see the exit that says Martin Luther King, you know where you're getting ready to go. That's where I grew up. So in, in that, I didn't go to school in my neighborhood. I, my mom sent us off on the yellow school bus to the other schools. So I had to learn, and that was in the 70s. I had to learn how to still be me with my friends who were of MLK, but still I had to be able to function over here too with that. So learning how to still be me, but still be able to flow into what I have to be here, but still have pieces of me because that's still me. Never losing that. It's, it's a hard deal because nobody's there to teach you that. Nobody, and, and a lot of people, especially if you're going to the schools that have, you might not see us there. You're not going to see us there. So who's there to teach me how to be both, how to balance it? I, yeah. Ooh, Ooh Principal Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're, you're, you're touching on exactly part of like the why, at least for myself, that my why is there are not a lot of black male teachers. And so our black boys are going through some, and folks who I've spoken to, the 13 years of K through 12, never having a black male teacher. Exactly. And so a lot of, they don't see themselves and consequently when they get to certain situations, they just don't know how to navigate. So mm -hmm. to be able to, what I'm hearing you say is like, hey, to be able to be me, enter into a space, recognize that I don't want to lose myself, but I need to know how to navigate in this space. And then once I've done that, to then bring more and more of me out so that I can help others come in um, or know, like you said, here's the cheat sheet. If you're looking to enter this space, here are some things that you can do once you're there so that you're not the only one in those spaces. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. That's the work that we're doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So ratchet, Ratchetemics? Ratchetemic. Mm-hmm. And then my next book that I'm getting ready to read, it's um, it's it's about not love languages, but you know, how the, it, that's the cliche type thing, love languages, yeah. but it is like love languages in the workplace because everybody's not a person that likes to get the high five in front of everybody call you up to get your certificate that type of thing so some people like a little quiet note you know on your desk a little post-it great job you know i love that you did that it's called um i had to write it down five love languages of appreciation in the workplace that's my next one that i'm getting ready to read Yeah. All right. All right. Whew. Yeah, and I agree with you as well that not everyone is going to be um, looking for like the words of appreciation in front of everyone. Yeah, maybe it will be a little note. Maybe it'll be an act of service of like, hey, you've been doing awesome. Let me come cover one of your periods. <laughs> or <laughs> let me send you to a PD that I know that is going to be a benefit to you, knowing that, hey, you've mentioned you're working towards or you'd like to see envision yourself as a dean. So here's this thing, this uh, this gift to mm -hmm. that you know that hey, I appreciate you. I'm exactly. So, yeah, different. That's dope. That's nice. 
Um, if I were to ask you, because I am a lover of music, and knowing that we are not monolithic, we're not just teachers, we are also influencers, we are also readers, we are also cooks, we are also many things. There are many mm-hmm. facets of us. If I were to ask you about your your playlist, it could be five songs, it could be five artists, it could be five albums. What would make up this playlist? What's the on principle Thomas's playlist? Okay. Always Jill Scott. Anytime, any day, all day. Love Jill Scott. Uh, one of my favorite songs that's on my rewind all the time in the morning when I get ready to go to work and I'm in my office doing my, my quiet time. I'm always listening to Jasmine Sullivan. Mascara is my favorite. Love that. Uh, the Jacksons. Show You the Way to Go. That is always a good one. I love it. Um, some Frank Ocean, Pink and White. Okay. Love that. Anything Al Green gets me in the moment. <laughs> nice. Nice. And Cameo. You know, I'm an old school girl. So some Cameo hanging downtown. That's always my good one. All right. All right. I love to hear it. Jill Scott, Jasmine Sullivan, Jackson's, Frank Ocean, Al Green, and Cameo. <laughs> sensational, sensational. Principal Thomas, thank you very much. To anyone who's listening, I hope you were able to pick up a couple of gems because there were quite a few that were dropped. And I'm looking forward to the next conversation that we have because I know parkour is fantastic. <laughs> parkour. <laughs> Hardcore for sure. So, folks, this has been another episode of the Chronicles of Mr. I'm Mr. Pierre. She's Principal Thomas, and we are out. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>